Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Again, fellow basement dwellers, this is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you in to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds, the first episode of year three, wherein all of my plans for today's show were shot out of a cannon and we bow before our Disney Plus overlords because I had thoughts, gentlemen, I had thoughts for this week's show. We were gonna we were gonna kick off uh, the brainchild idea of one David Ungar, the DC versus Marvel decathlon, ten events to bring Marvel and DC head to head and decide definitively on this bandwagon which brand was the superior brand, and that all gets pushed to next week because Disney Plus info dumped the shit out of us. And we can't not cover it. So that's what we're going to do this week in addition to our normal rigmarole of wrapping up Doom Patrol, talking lock and key, and uh, a couple of news items out of the Nerdosphere. But mostly, we're going to talk Disney Plus Day. As I mentioned before, 
This is Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. I am, of course, joined by a full bandwagon today. That's right. The live studio audience, PC Tony, is here. PC, welcome. Welcome. Too kind. Too kind, too kind. Our lawyer, David Ungar, is here. Ooh, I like that one. What's up, guys? Welcome to season Not three. Season three, though we, I season the season thing got called into question on the Demarco show. I had to like defend our honor. Was like, I drew the comparison to WWE, where they do their whole thing. It's a season premiere. It's like you guys never stop. So I think true. we're well, we're a good company. Stop. We're in good company. We'll never stop. We'll never stop stopping. Uh, we'll we'll keep going. So and of course. We've got the Reverend himself. I don't even know what his nickname is. One Ray Cash. Hello, Mr. Cash. Oh, the blue birds are out there. Uh, I love you here. Hello, Thank sir. Thank you for the esteemed welcome. Always. So I was... Oh, audience, audience, audience. Settle down, settle down, settle down. Audience, I was... um. I was a little surprised, though. I listened to the 299th edition of the DWI podcast, uh, uh, and the audience doesn't hate you over there, Ray. What's up with that? How have you endeared yourself to the audience over in that environment? Very simple answer. Everybody's drunk on that show. I was about to say alcohol had a lot to do with that. Well, I I thought it was because they disliked Christopher Platt so much, because that seemed to be a a thing I've noticed as well. That, too. Well, the live studio, the live studio audience does tend to have their favorites and their not so favorites. That's that's valid. I, I thoroughly enjoyed your show, by the way. And folks, if you haven't caught it yet, jump on to the network and give that show a listen. It was a very very good one as they head into their three hundredth episode. Man, can you guys imagine doing one podcast for for three hundred episodes? Yep. Yeah, I kind of can. It's, I, can you imagine doing this podcast for another 200 episodes? Are we gonna? Are, do you think we'll make it? Yep. Yeah, <laughs> Tony. Probably. Tony will be here with his headset. We're up to 24 Ready. listeners, Pat. At that rate, we'll be up to 30 hey, in no time. Look, I, I want to point this out. That say, like, first of all, I, we're going to give some kudos a little bit later, but there's something to this whole maintaining the Twitter account thing that we've started doing as late. I think that we've actually picked up, if we've picked up some more followers, we've gotten some more traction. We've gotten some more votes on some polls, like the, the 24 listeners, we've doubled it in some regards, Dave, to almost 50 listeners. Like, <gasps> wow. We're, I know, right? It's Can amazing what happens when you're active on Twitter. When you actually try, when you put forth effort, something strange happens. So I I love that. And we're going to talk a little bit about our Twitter footprint later today because Ray, Ray Cashington's had some, some good ideas and, uh, and he's going to start, he's, he's already kicked one off for some of the other things we're looking to do there. But before, before we get into any of that, we, we got some episodes to talk today. We're going to, we're going to talk some Marvel news after the first break before we get into the Disney plus day and without further ado, we had a season finale this week as doom patrol came to a conclusion. And so Dave, since I still have been too lazy to get the file, I'm going to turn it over to you 
to kick off some Doom Patrol music for us. Excellent. Thank you very, very much as we get to episode 10. And okay, there's Dave's head. I was like, we, we like Tony disappeared from screen. Dave disappeared from screen. And it was like, right. I, and can, can I just start with when are they actually going to call themselves the doom patrol? They came so close. Doom, doom force. Doom force. Yes. Doom Season four as giant robot. <laughs> Cliff goes down into the ground as they go to face off the great unknown theoretically two minutes into the future, but we all know that's not going to happen. Um, was this the, the, I don't know that this was the ending I expected. I'm happy with the ending I got, but there was, there was some things that, that panned out really well. I mean, Larry kind you know, accepting his new buddy. Um, what is it? Kiki? Something like that. Or Keeg. Just Keeg? Is that is that from the comics? As, as somebody who's unfamiliar or for, familiar with the character, does anybody know? Or is that just, we, we just roll with that? If there's any Doom Patrol comic, like, person Official. who's an expert, please stand up and, like, come to the front of the congregation. Because I don't know that they exist. So, uh, yeah, so, but at the end of this episode, there, there seems to be a renewed sense of purpose. There's, of course, some dire things going on as Jane made a, a bad deal. Uh, and, and so that's going to that's gonna play out in some ways that I'm sure we're not going to love. Uh, Cyborg is still powerless. Larry's got new direction. And Cliff is in a giant ass robot now, which I was delighted by, by the way. And Madame Rouge... Has has joined the Doom Patrol in a in an interesting turn of events. So reactions this week. We'll start with the man I presume as read who saw it most recently, Mr. PC Tunney. Your thoughts on this week's episode? Yeah, I actually just watched it a few hours ago. They they oddly enough, uh, and I don't think we thought they would. They they kind of put a neat little bow on it as they headed off to fight some tertiary villain that's probably going to be. Long in the rear view once we debut next season, um, next season's first episode. But yeah, they, they are the Doom Patrol now, right? They call themselves Doom Force or whatever, or Cliff does, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, once they all decided to, you know, jump into Cliff and, and Rita get in the time machine and the big ass robot, as you would, you would coin it, uh, you know, follows right down through. So we'll see what happens. It's interesting, their methodology, um, if they're going to be able to, master time travel because you would imagine they're going to utilize that to to fight as a as a group as a superhero group right so i don't know i'm interested to see what next season holds it's definitely moving in the right direction my big question is will vic have his powers back at the you know once next season comes around because he basically talked 
Larry into, you know, accepting the powers in in the same route that he should maybe go back and accept the powers that he has he's capable of using for good. Absolutely. I think that's a really good point. I, I think that maybe Vic is seeing seeing some value there. Ray, what did you think of this week's episode of uh, of Doom Patrol? Your overall thoughts? Um, Cliff continues to be maybe the funniest character on television. Um, I, him walking all the way from wherever from Boca Raton to his daughter's house, just be like, "I'm sorry," is fucking hilarious to me. Um, but three quick takeaways are well, four. Well, clearly Vic fucked up, but he realizes that. But Larry is negative man finally because you saw for just a split second he was able to kind of turn into the negative spirit totally and fly, but it was him. It's pretty and then he yeah, yeah, in in fantastic doom force uh, in manner, uh, whatever, whatnot. Um, uh, Jane is going to be the biggest story going into season four, if you will. Because that underground's fucked up, and with the professor or the doctor or whatever that lady's name is becoming primary, it's it's funny how all of them wanted to leave and follow her, but then when they came back, Hammerhead was like, "I'm not a bitch." Well, you kind of followed her out, so like this is partially your fault. But the mo- my biggest takeaway is, man, I've enjoyed the season. It's been very fun, but I was really looking forward to being done with Madame Rouge, and she's here for good now. And I don't know how I feel about that. Well, okay, so I got two questions that come out of that. Is she really done? Are we really, is she really here for good, good, good? Or is this just a con- continuation of character development? Does she turn evil? Where Where does it go? Again, with me not being familiar with the character, because I liked Madame Rouge and her arc and her confusion as to who, who she is. Uh, so, but I do wonder, because there's, there's still suspicion there, right? Like Rita doesn't trust her. And, well, Yes, but the beauty of it is what you saw at the end, they they started doing it too, was she realized she fucked up at the end of the show and at the end of the episode, and when she went in back in time, wrote the letter for herself to tell herself, hey, I'm really a shitty person, I need to be better. So I'm sure that she does really feel like she needs to be better. But when I say I'm like, I liked as much as people hated him, I liked Whiplash and Iron Man 2. I don't ever need to see him again. Like, I like <laughs> Madame Rouge. I don't need to see her again. And now well, she's going to be a major that. part of season four. That's what I mean. All right. All right. I see that. Question number two. As they travel into time, who was steering Crazy Jane? Because we only see them in the in the underground. And then when they come back, it's the whole group of everybody. So we don't know. Dave, and who do you think was steering Crazy Jane? Well, if they honored the agreement that they made, it's going to be Dr. Harrison. She's primary now, right? So I, you got to figure she's in charge on the surface. I, I, don't, so, I don't know. I mean, it, it was interesting that all the personalities were supposedly gone, but yet Flit was able to get inside Cliff and, of course, pull the self-destruct button. They right. didn't really explain how they diffused that, did they? Well, sometimes you just got to suspend disbelief. I felt like there was something pretty artificial in Jane in the way that she was acting mm-hmm. in the discussion of the team. And then as they were getting ready to go forward in time. And so oh. that leads me to believe that it's Dr. What's or nuts pretend Dr. Harris pretending to be Jane 
so that the rest of the team isn't caught on. I think Jane's the antagonist easily for a good portion of, of next season. The, the the answer is nobody because at the end of the show she was out. Remember they had to put her in the seat and she was knocked out. So they were still talking in the underground. Right. So she she was nobody at the end of the show. It was just the body of Kay. Got you. So then who's steering the ship when she wakes up? That I think is Doctor Harris. Yeah, agree there. Mm-hmm. D- does the does the does the uh, mind wipe from from time travel affect the underground? We don't know, do we? Doesn't seem like it. Also, what was going on with uh, with Mist and, and Jane? Oh, she she wants she wants us some of that craziness. Wink, wink. But who's which she? I think it's, again, I think it's Doctor Harris. Fog wants all of it, all the personalities. Oh, sorry, Fog. Did I? I called her Mist. My bad. What do you think, Tony? Who does who who is who is interested in Fog? Is it Jane or is it Doctor Harris or somebody else? I have no fucking clue. This one's uh kind of up in the air. You you got a whole bunch of even better there, right there. Well, I mean, I don't I. I don't really care. I, I like that they've whittled it down to what's going on with Kay and, and the personalities that are, you know, first and foremost in the front of the, what's happening on the show. But it's one of my least favorite storylines. I just, I'd rather just see Jane out there in control and able to grab whatever, you know, personality she needed to. But that's part of this season and them kind of delving deeper into each person's character and problems and powers. So fair, fair. Dave, your turn to pontificate on the season finale of Doom Patrol. So first off, according to the, to the DC database, Keith Bovo is a negative spirit associated with Negative Man, also known as Larry Trainer. So I think that is the negative spirit that enables him to be Negative Man, which we kind of saw. Um, so whatever was going on with the first one that kept him on lockdown for 60 years, this is something in his evolution, I guess. Uh, I thought... I thought the episode to me, I mean, I don't want to retread ground. You guys have already talked about, but I do want to talk about Rita because I think she takes a major step forward in at the end of this thing, because I mean, you see her get hardcore with the brain, Um, you know, the way that she offs him, presumably offs him is, is really kind of like Rita getting in touch with this more darker side of her persona. And then at the end, she's the other thing is that she's in full control of her powers at the end of this thing where she grabs Madame Rouge by the neck and then exercises enough restraint to let go of her throat. So to me, in season four, as they go into the future to battle this nutsack in the Suez Canal, I guess that's what they're going to fight. You know, I, I think watching Rita's progression at this point and to see like where she where she ends up, whether she you know, starts to like her and Rouge flip flop a little bit. I don't know, but I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. Vic is a big issue for me because it's like, if you're going to put together doom force or doom patrol or whatever you want to call them, and they're going to be a team of superheroes, you're just an ordinary dude. You're not even Batman. You're just a high school kid, maybe a college kid and a tremendous athlete. So he's got to do something about that. Does he though? Like does he other than other than your incessant nerd need between you and, and Ray for him to be cyborg? Ray, Mister Vic doesn't fit. Uh, Was that wrong? Is it the big, it, but is it the big piece of Doom Patrol and part of what 
is the allure of this team and what they've really tried to do out of this series for three seasons now that none of them fit a mold with him. Like it well, all, let's, all misfits. With, but ask the question this way. What does he do then next season if he's not going he's back to practice, be He's practice in a wooded field with a bunch of gymnastic mats wrapped around trees, yeah. throwing rocks in himself at that the lands tree. Are, lands are taken, bro. <laughs> I'm just trying to bring things full circle back to other Joe. I'm funny, damn it. I am so funny. You don't even know. There you go. Audience knows. The thing about Vic, what? though, as we've always said, is that he was never really a member of Doom Patrol in the comics. So he's almost, to a certain extent, superfluous on the one hand and then extra credit on the other. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could get away with going the snapper car route and having Vic be comedic relief or something like that. But I really think you got to get side. If they're going to really be a team, a superhero team, you need Cyborg is the most powered one of all of them, probably. Well, maybe Jane, let's, Jane of course, when she's not, on par. Let's not, let's not dismiss the fact, though, that as is, he was still strong enough to hold the spirit long enough to get back to Larry's okay. room. So that's still well, tech, a little bit more than just than human. Yeah, the, the tech, tech there, is still right? there. Not, they just overwrote the saying. program. It's a, it's a, it's a 10 second montage to turn him back into cyborg. You know what I'm saying? You don't even need good music. <laughs> it's, it's going to be okay. Of course he's going to come back and be cyborg at some point. Like, of course he is. Here's, my my Don't final. Yell at me, Patrick. I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling at Dave. Why would I yell at you? You're you're the live studio audience. I like you. Uh, oh uh, boy. Oh, so I'm the heel no, now. I'm the heel now. Okay, we're got all it. Trouble. We're all no, heels. No, it, it, it will forever be Ray Cash. Like even even with his mouth shut. <laughs> he gives me. I'm drunk with power. I may not drink alcohol, but the soundboard is mine. Anyhow. Here's my last thought, uh, and I kind of want to get your guys' opinion on this thought as I watch the season finale. this So the first two season finales of Doom Patrol, I really had a better sense of direction, or at least you, you kind of had a sense of direction of where we were going to kick off and what's going to happen. There, there feels like, in my opinion, a positive uncertainty with what's going to happen next, because it really is for as insane as the ending of this series uh, of the season was like, it's, it's kind of a new frontier feeling sort of finale, right? Like it's like, we're going, we, we, we have a newfound confidence and we kind of believe in ourselves and yeah, there's some shit underneath the surface, but you feel good walking out of that. And I don't. I just. I didn't quite know how to handle that because I. I, I kind of prefer the. Oh shit! Well, now what? Like, I feel like in in seasons past we would have ended with the birds flying on people's faces and being like, "What the fuck's going on?" Dave, I'll start with you this time. What do you think of the season as a whole? Well, just about the finale and kind of the kind of the shift in tone that that finale. Yeah. That's, it's it's the most. It's the lightest. It's it's Episode it's the most hopeful. It's the most right. hopeful of any of them, that's for sure. Um, so, you know, from that standpoint, I, I liked I liked the ending. I mean, they they have a you know they seem to be they're definitely morphing more into a team, a more cohesive unit. 
even though they've injected these new elements, you know, and they're kind of moving away from Niles just did all this shit to us and put it through us together. And now they're kind of like at the point where we are now becoming our own team, our own mantra, our own collective, whatever they're going to do at this point. So it was very hopeful. You know, you've got and you got the new elements. You've got Rouge. You know, she's in there. We don't know what the hell's going to happen with Cliff. I don't know. Can he stay in this giant robot body forever? Um, I don't know. So I, I think I, I tend to agree with you. It was it was a, a different kind of ending. It wasn't like last season ended with them all waxed by the candle maker. And you're like, Jesus, how are they going to get out of this? This is more like they're going on this journey into the future, three minutes into the future, to take on a, a, a scrotal sack in the Suez Canal. And they're united as a team. So in some respects, it's hopeful, but you got to figure shit's going to go off the rails pretty quickly in the season opener. Uh, Dave, let's not forget with demon pubic hairs, okay? Yes. Scrotal yes, totally. demon, demon pubic hairs. That was the by theme the way, of this movie, talking about you know the brain saying, I got him by the short hairs. And we haven't even talked about Mala. Right. Mala's out there reformed, apparently. True. Something like that. Real quick, there were the question about memories and things being retained. Clearly, the memory wipe still happens because they intentionally put each other's names on mm-hmm. their forehead. I just came back to me. I don't know why, how I missed that. So I don't know how that impacts the personalities, but I would assume that whoever's up front doesn't remember shit when they come forward, um, at least temporarily. Go ahead, Tony. It's kind of the first thing I, I think I spoiled it right away on my first take to open this conversation is it was interesting how they put a neat little bow on this one, which kind of out of character for the show. And, right. and the biggest question too, moving forward, which you just brought up is, how will their methods be effective in their efforts to, you know, travel time and remember what their goal is and what they're supposed to do when they show up? So you really have a built-in, you know, hurdle to to to, to get over immediately, starting, uh, you know, next season. So, well, they did, they did at, at at the very least, they were smart enough to write their names on their foreheads, and they had a big, well, had board, a big board of like all the information they needed to remember. But it clearly it's not going to work. But to answer the question, Patrick, the big difference is Niles isn't there to fuck their lives up no more. So, Everything uh, bad to them happened because of Niles. Over oh, under and as far as before Niles comes back. Oh. I think Niles is gone. gone. Two and a half. Over under yeah, two maybe. and a half episodes before Niles comes back. I'll say I'll stick with Ray. I think Niles is gone. I think that's why you got like uh, Laura DeMille sticking around or whoever she right. wants to be. I'll and see. and and that would really shit on Rita's character. Also, before Dave goes, Brain, before Brain, uh, Rita killed Brain, he said he had the blueprints to build the rest of the body, the robotic body. So I'd imagine that's how they can get Cliff back into his body. Yeah. I would say Absolutely. episode five of season four, midway season four, Niles comes back. So Dave's taking the over. All right. Once around the room, final thoughts on season three before we go over to lock and key. We'll start with Ray because Ray's not going to contribute to the lock and key conversation. Not one bit. I'm going to leave the room. Um, Snap. Well, I mean, I you know, I, I'm going to replenish my hydration. Um, hey, wait no, a second. Man, You're good. not just going to make this shit up like last week. That was great, man. Just I was looking forward to seeing what happened. Actually, I'm tired, boss. I'm tired. Um, no man, really, really fun season. Cool to see things end in some positivity for once, but you know it's all going to get fucked up. Um, Madame Rouge clearly was big enough 
did big enough with fans that they kept her on. Um, but I, yes, the, the the my final takeaway is all of the threads. It's almost like a like a like a illusion, if you will, like a like a magic trick that you know. Look at this hand, but this hand is doing something else. They have convinced us because we're looking at this hand. That everything is good. They decided to be a team, right? But this hand, Jane's fucked up. Can Larry control the negative spirit? What the fuck is Vic gonna do? Is Malaga gonna come back and do something? Like there's so many other threads that are still open, but we're looking at this hand because things are happy for once. So, uh, yeah, man, I, I'm looking forward to season ten. I'm I'm glad to take a break from it because that type of cra- I am because that type of craziness, man, takes a lot of energy. I hope you mean season four because you said season ten. Uh, that's that's like way into the future. You're watching See, Supernatural, man, aren't you, Ray? Age twenty twenty seven, baby. There you go, Dave. Your thoughts on season three? I, you know, I like the season. It was a season heavy on character development and getting deeper into all these characters that you've kind of grown to love. I, I'd be lying if I said it was my favorite season so far. It had a different tenor to it, uh, just a different feel all around. It it was a very good season. Don't get me wrong, but I think you know, season one is uh, still going to be my favorite for a long time. But yeah, season three was it's an important season when you see or you get an idea of where you think they're going. I think Ray brings up some great points as to you've got on the one side, hey, everything looks great. We got new members. We're more cohesive than ever. But under the surface, every single one of them still very fucked up and dealing with their issues, and that's going to persist, obviously. So. Solid season. I'm not complaining about it at all. Just different than what I was probably expecting. All right. Put a bow on it, PC Tunny. Season three thoughts. Yeah, it, it, they put a bow on it. And it looks like they picked a direction in which to move forward in this series. So maybe that's why this season was a little bit different. I, You know, if, if what they do moving forward, it, uh, I'll just speak for my own fandom. If I approve of it, then I'm completely okay with this season. Were there good episodes and, and really good sequences in this season? Absolutely. Was it something that I'm glad I watched? Absolutely. But it wasn't as good as first two seasons. But if it's a transition thing, I'm all good with that, right? I'm a wrestling fan. I get it. Excellent. Excellent. I agree. It's not my favorite season. I felt like it was a little uneven here and there in terms of some of the episodes. And just sort of they, they covered a lot of ground in 10 episodes and went in a lot of different directions and that sometimes is tough to navigate they did an admirable job and like you guys i'm looking forward to season four which friends you will get coverage right here on bandwagon nerds with that we're gonna give ray a little break and talk some lock and key let's cue that music baby is done i love how abrupt we we cut it off it's very nice i like it's no fade your your version cuts it off abruptly that's fine i'm okay with it anyway so uh we're just driving uncle uncle what's his name crazy huh poor duncan poor man. jesus poor duncan. um light light and, up donkey uncle dunk right shoving kids around and shit god damn perfect Fuck's well, sake, donkey guys, baby. 
it's this episode was really interesting on multiple levels because the the it kind of head fakes you in a couple of different directions with the the title of the episode is something like get your memory back and so or I remember what it was but it really is and and you're kind of led to believe it's going to be about Duncan because of what happened the episode before like or that it's only going to be about Duncan. But a couple of other folks have some recall moments as well and in a way are much more consequential. And as I go through my annual forget the names of all the characters, part of the show, drink annual, um, annual weekly, every episode. Well, annual, that's a type of annual. Like it's just not yearly. It's OK. Um, but I was I was really impressed with how just how many different folks had things come back in memories or different, like Kenzie taking her fear back in this episode. Like that was huge and shows why she's been who she's been. Um, I'm forgetting the name of the friend again, uh, that's living with them right now. Um, that's why oh, I was Aaron. making the joke. Aaron, Aaron, like Aaron, knowing that she's got a memory buried that she needs to go back to to talk about where the memory key is located so that we can try to help Duncan like that that was a huge that was a huge deal and a big piece of this and then um we get a little more revealed about the handsome stranger in town um and his connection and now now we understand why we had to see that revolutionary war guy who took the the bullet um that came out of the portal and how that's going to help dodge in a way that we don't really like. So lots happened there since Tony went first on doom patrol, Dave, you go first with your overarching thoughts on this week's uh, episode of locking key episode four. So unlike a lot of the episodes, which have multiple storylines all merging together and a lot of things happening to multiple characters at once, this one to me felt very, uh, isolated as to characters in moving in their own directions in their own paths. You know, you've got Tyler taking Jackie uh, with the anywhere key to England, and then you get to see the impact of how the memory fade really works and, and, and how kind of frightening that really was for Jackie in that moment. You've got, um, you know, Bodie's just, he knows that something's wrong with his uncle. And yeah, the the episode is all about the steady degradation of Duncan to the point where he doesn't, he can't discern reality from memory anymore and that's a big problem going forward you've got the showdown between gabe and and uh what see now my turn to refer chamberlain in the uh in the ghost realm where chamberlain says bullshit i knew who you are because there's a parasite attached to your back and you get to see that um you get to see like you said kinsey taking her fear back and you got to figure that's going to be good for her as, as a character develop did they have i guess like um Gabe and Eden had her fear locked up. Is that what I'm supposed to believe? Right. She was she was in that she was in that cage. They right. they referred it a couple of times. I, I will admit that I didn't catch on to that the first time that I saw her back in there. I wasn't like, oh, that's Kinsey's fear. But it made a heck of a lot of it made her more uh malleable to their manipulations. Yeah. And it's basically what I was because they didn't want her to have it back for a reason. No, sure. they don't. And I like I like that you mentioned Aaron um knowing she's got this memory that's gonna help them find the memory key and she's smart enough and you can see she's reposing a lot of trust in Tyler uh to say, hey, 
you know, and he's like, look, I won't let you get trapped in there again. And he's like watching over her. She goes and gets this memory and they realize it's over at Matheson, I guess the college, which is where I presuming the dollhouse is because they're having the big dorm party. And you find another, I'll just call it evil bullet that now Gabe, and I love how Gabe goes eating. It's like, well, I guess I don't have to kill you now. So, um, you know, that, and she's like, what? <laughs> so it's, it was, you know, after last week with the giant spider attack, which was just fun and, and exciting and action packed, this was a much more world, you know, we talk a lot about world building. This was a world building episode moving forward as they're, and you, and you find out that, uh, you know, Scott didn't get into the film school. So, yeah, lots of stuff happening. It was it was a solid episode. Tony, your thoughts? Dave, it was a Friday soap opera episode, not a Tuesday soap opera episode, right? We answered two questions and asked four more. So we were very productive this, this last episode. Very um, general hospital-like, yes. It's a very good uh, yeah. analogy. Uh, let's not forget one of the most important things that we learned or got reiterated to us is that every key... Uh, needs a lock so that i think you know that reiteration there but i i don't know i'm I'm kind of thinking the problem with duncan is the thing that's going to distract them enough to not see what's going to happen with the the descendant of mr revolutionary war soldier there um with the with the interesting obviously gabe is going to be going after that material it's what he thinks he needs so I don't know. Lock and key. It continues to deliver. Patrick, I mean, where where are you at overall here as we head into, what, episode five next week? It's harder and harder every week for me to just watch one episode. Like, Netflix automatically starts the next episode, and I'm like, no, no, well, no, no. And you only got, like, five seconds. Like, Disney Plus gives you 20 seconds to make that decision, so that always works out. I want to know why Kinsey's the next uh, lock. Like... Like that seemed, or at least that's what's implied when they say that every key needs a lock and they talk about like, go get her. Like that was the, uh, the conversation between Eden and Doug. Yeah. I mean, Gabe will probably, you know, try and persuade her into doing that. Doug, what the hell? Doug, Doug does (laughs) uh, car insurance with 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 her fear. You got to figure her radar is going to go up and she may not be so, yeah. Let's go troll a line well, down the fucking path to disaster. Well, it'll be well, interesting to see who Bodie runs to after getting chastised by his uncle, though, as well. I think that's going to be the most important can, thing. Is can how I say Bodie this before I turn it to Patrick? Fall. I really felt bad for Bodie, man. That had that was really hard to watch. That was terrifying. Yeah. For does, that, does Bodie end up being the one that Gabe utilizes though to get a key because Bodie like turns away from his family where like his brother and sister just defend him and he feels bad about it. And Gabe actually listens because he's been trusting Gabe with the keys. So I could easily see a mistaken Bodie helping Gabe along the way, you know? Well, and I meant to ask this question. Did, did Gabe walk off with the ghost key? I never saw him give it yes, back. Yes, yes, he did. Yes, he ran out in a hurry and said hi bye, and 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 he's gone. And Bodie's so distracted by what's going on in the shed, he doesn't even register with him. Right. right. He's, yeah. He's... And I don't know. I don't know what that means for the family, other than it takes away so, a resource. It takes away a resource for Bodie. Who who made out better in the trade there, the ghost key for the anywhere key? Because that basically flip flop within the last two episodes. I don't know. I mean, I, the the ghost key is so limited as to the parameters that you have to have to be able to use it. Whereas the anywhere key is really 
I mean, that's a pretty powerful but key. I think I think that the flip flop and who has what they actually lost what was more valuable to them because the nice thing about the ghost key was that the ancestors of within the Locke family were willing to divulge the truth of the keys and how they work to their own. But now like, yeah, the anywhere keys nice, um, but it really doesn't benefit them the same way that the ghost key does, even if they weren't seeing it that way. And the anywhere key was absolutely thoroughly useful to Gabe. Yeah. Like Gabe and Eden, like they, and I think what it will do will, it will allow for, again, the locks are going to realize that that ghost key is gone. They're going to realize that that anywhere key is gone. And they're going to be like, this is a connection to Gabe because eventually the game, the game has to be given up and you have to know that Gabe is not who he says he is. Well, it, it, and starting to get that, we're starting to get those seeds. And I predicted around episode five to six ish that might be when it comes comes out. If not, maybe seven at the latest. In my opinion, we'll see if that turns out to be right. But um, well, here's another interesting thing about you talking about the ghost key. We saw Sam tried to come and get into Gabe's body, and they had that that I, kind of struggle going on where Gabe was ev- eventually able to expel him. But that raises an interesting concept that, okay, if you use the ghost key and your body's laying there, any entity can come and take possession of your body in that graveyard in that. Yeah. The, the filming, the shooting, the choreography, the job done by the actor and the people that set up the scene of the fight club esque fight against yourself there was phenomenal i i enjoyed it thoroughly it's like well done dude to everybody involved our in our generation gap i actually went evil dead 2 and bruce campbell fighting his own body as the as the that's very it's so funny because fight club is, is an excellent one but yeah that's an homage to those that sort of choreography and stunt acting and griffin gluck is the name of the actor who plays gabe he did a great job wow I guess the G alliteration is, uh, you know, affects me in the acting world. So there Grant you go. Gustin, Griffin Glock. Dave, I cut you off. I'm sorry. What were you going to say? Uh, you guys were talking about other, like it, like liar, liar, Jim Carrey beating the shit out of himself in the men's room. It had that vibe to it. Yes, it was, it was a very, it's a very taxing physical task to pull off. And so it was very, very good. Episode five is coming up we will continue to do our coverage of lock and key as it is the only show right now that we're covering until we start tossing a coin to our wisher Uh, and i and i'm not gonna miss a show for a bit Uh, i'm with you guys so there will be no sneaking extra shows in on me when i'm not around shit yeah oh look who's back look who's back and can i say something real quick no don't let him say anything I just, no, I want, I want to say that I just want to say how profound, how profound that was. I was listening, and I have taken what you said with true generosity, and I want to spread to the rest of the world that every key doesn't need a lock. At risk of changing how the audience feels about me, I guess you can tune into the DWI podcast every week to hear a review of the Book of Boba Fett weekly episodes. And you can tune in 
to Chair Shot Radio every Friday to hear a review of the Hawkeye show. Go ahead, Dave, your turn. Damn, I get booed and he gets you hate Boba Fett. You know, I was boo Boba Fett. You hate Boba Fett. What all I was going to say Hawk, is the Hawkeye one is called Echo, right, or something like that. No, so it's called Echo. Echo. That's Echo we're, gonna, we're we're gonna save that conversation for. Oh, sorry. Later, because Echo is its own show. That is oh. that is its own show. Okay. Every ro- every one. rose every rose has its thorn. I'll just stop mm. right there. There you go. All right. Well, we're welcome. Could have November Rain by me today. We could have. We welcome back Ray Cash to then say that we're going to take a quick commercial break. And, and when we come back on the flip side, we got a couple of pieces of news around the Nerdosphere. Not really news. We're going to talk about Eternals and then one piece of news as we talk about some controversy surrounding Black Panther. We'll do that in about a minute and 16 seconds plus required commercials. So a little bit longer, as Greg DeMarco pointed out. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Thechairshot.com. 
always use your head. That dog was like, fuck powerslam.tv. <laughs> I hate powerslam.tv. That is one of our sponsors, dog. That is Every one of- goddamn Sunday, I'm tired of it. I'm tired. Wait- which dog? Who are we holding accountable, Dave? Oh, that was Logan, one of the puppies. I think a gar- oh. a gardener a gardener walked by outside and he said, "Fuck that, not on my watch." He did not like power. So our sponsors are listening, daggone it, and they're going to hold us to that, just like copyright people are going to hold us accountable to our our stolen tunes. Anyway, we do not own the rights to this music. Okay. So Tony's taking a little bit of a powder here uh, because he did not have a chance to see the Eternals. But we've got two bits of, I I guess, news around the nerdosphere, if we want to call it that. Ah, fuck it. Play the music. All right. So the Eternals. Dave and I wrote the nerd review. Ray, unfortunately, couldn't get to it. He wanted to. Things happen. Life gets in the way, and that's okay. Slacker. Um, and Dave thinks he's a slacker. I'm actually not going to boo him for that. I get it. It's a two-and-a-half-hour-long movie, and that 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 in itself is an accomplishment. But uh, before we get too far into this conversation, I did want to get just your overarching thoughts Um uh, of the Eternals because I liked it. I rated it over a four. I think I rated it like a four point two seven. Um, and the reason I rated it so high is I actually found it to be very much akin to Dune Part One in its purpose and scope, uh, in that it was given the task of creating a world, uh, creating a creating a introducing the audience to a bigger part of the MCU a whole new set of characters that we need to get invested in and still be Marvel. And I thought that Chloe Zhao did a pretty darn good job of that. And I found that I loved Jenna Chan as Cersei. Uh, I found that, and I'm going to forget the guy's name, the the actor who played Drug, Drug was just awesome. I loved him to death and then the only problem i had was that sorry spoiler alert if you haven't seen the movie yet i and this just tells you how good of a job zao did in my opinion i was gutted when they killed gilgamesh when gilgamesh died i was gutted uh, because i loved that character and the setup of that character and he was huge and she did a great job of getting me invested in that guy and then losing him and i was like suck like that really sucked for me uh and then i probably the highlight of the moment is in the middle of the movie i'm watching with a little doubt and right as um fina is conversing with uh i can't remember the name of the beast uh the the one um deviant deviant, whatever it gets a name and i can't remember what his name is uh, but when she's in there and she's like supposed to be upset and sad about things the little doubt like tugs on my she- uh sleeve and he's like Daddy, that that actor is a terrible actor. And reference <laughs> Angelina, he's like, she's supposed to be sad while she's crying, and yet she's kind of smiling, almost like she's laughing. I don't understand. Which also just comes from the nine-year-old not known understanding maybe the nuances of how people cry and that that can be different and present itself in different ways. Like all he saw was a smiling face crying, and that was not right for him. Um, 
but I loved it. And as I said in our chat, I felt like that movie did the most Marvel comic thing in all of the MCU in what it was probably the most not MCU movie that we've had today. So, Ray, I'm going to hand it over to you to go first. Your thoughts on the Eternals before we get to the East German judge, Mr. David Ungar. Well, to, if for, for the point of my review, that would have been on the nerd review. I would have given it somewhere between a 4 and a 4.25, depending on how I expo- my exposition in writing. Uh, but I was, I was very impressed because, um, as we've seen with a lot of these movies, uh, especially these movies that have movies that have characters that don't have backstories that we know, but especially with the ones that we do, really hard to kind of get over two or three characters. She got over almost ten in one movie. It's amazing, and like we are, we were invested. At least I was in every single one of them. That is massively impressive. Um, so I love that first and foremost. The characters were great. Everybody had their own um, motivations and reasons for everything. Um, yes, Druig was fantastic. So good. I love me some Kingo. I love Kamel Nanjiani, but I love the shout of Kingo. And best character in the whole damn movie to me is Caval, his, uh, his valet or whatever you call him. That's my guy. I love that dude. Um, but I explained this to one of my really good friends who's also quite nerdy like us and loves comic book um, properties and whatnot. And I explained it to him like this. Everything you thought you knew about the MCU will change when you see this movie. And I don't mean that hyperbolic. Everything you think you know, you knew. Everything that you have been taught from Iron Man 1 to hell to Loki, everything is different now. Knowing the Celestials are there, the the Mount Celestial and the and the fingers of, of Celestialism or whatever you want to call them in the Indian Ocean out of nowhere, right? Erishim popping up looking at the world, which reminds you a lot of one eater of worlds that may be coming. Everything, even, even the Ebony Blade and can I give the spoiler spoiler? Yeah, you can give the spoiler spoiler. And Eric fucking Brooks, a.k.a. Blade, the Daywalker, popping yep. up at the end of the damn movie. Everything yeah. is different now, bro. Ali's voice at the at the end of that was very exciting because let's let's just get this out of the way. Uh, or just people were speculating whether Blade was still really going to happen. That guy talked about three years ago, and people were like, "Well, is this thing still on?" So to hear his voice, it just to cement that what we thought was going to happen is going to happen was was very exciting to me. And can, uh, and can and, I tell you one more thing? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I just want to. I, I want to say too. I appreciated the fact that I know in these type of origins of movies, sometimes there'll be a major character that doesn't realize who they end up being until later on in other movies. I appreciated that they didn't kind of play that game with us with Dan Whitman, the Black Knight. Oh, he knows he's he's supposed to touch that blade. He knows what's yes. going to happen. That was and so. That- I was worried that we weren't going to see that until phase five or something. But like he knew the whole time, well, I'm really the fucking black knight. I just don't want to do this shit. So I appreciated that. So now we have something to be looking forward to instead of something we're hoping may happen in the blade movie, no less. Right. Yeah. Cause, cause now that 
completely changes what we're thinking was going to happen with Blade. Dave, your turn. Talk to us about your thoughts about the Eternals. I know you liked the movie. I know you were, you didn't like bury the film. Like it wasn't anything like that, but your thoughts on Eternals. I mean, I, like I said in the review, the, uh, the critics out there who are calling this the worst MCU movie of all time. I'm like, they didn't, huh? They didn't see Thor two. Yeah. Or Iron Man two for that matter. So right. uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's way, way, way above that. I think, you know, I know you want to talk about why the critics have reacted the way they, they did, which is an, an important discussion. Um, I, yeah, I thought, I thought the movie was fine. I thought like your comparison to Dune, I pointed that out right at the beginning of my review. It's like the second week in a row. It's different from Dune because you're world building within a very established world that we all know and love. And I think that kind of created some of the disconnect with a lot of people. It's it's like I don't understand exactly, you know, how this all fits together. And that's fine because Marvel's good at kind of telling you how it all fits together. But yeah, they're they're cool characters, they're cool powers. It's it's a really good story. It's not the most linear story of all time. It's a little difficult to follow. It's slow in some places. I think you even mentioned that, Pat. Um, you know, it, it has a few slow spots, but there's a lot of exposition. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not, if you're looking for end game level action, this is not the movie for you, but as far as moving the MCU forward in, in a post infinity saga way, I think this movie is extremely important because now you're introducing these, like I mentioned in the review, if you're looking for who's the next big bad, who's out there that makes Thanos kind of pale in comparison you're now starting to move in that direction. And I think that's an important step for the MCU moving into phase five and, and beyond. Right. Celestials uh, coming back. I mean, we haven't seen Celestials since uh, guardians of the galaxy volume two, really in, in how they're, which when you get caught up in sort of the MCU timeline, you had ego looking to like, be reborn in all these other planets like it was it was really weird because you had the whole ego thing where he's planting seeds but yet it sounds like there's a seed that was already there wild stuff uh it was it was a movie in my opinion it was epic in scope and that's why it was so you know if you want to call it slow or loaded with exposition because we we got to see how the celestials influenced earth mcu's earth over the centuries and the eons. And we got to learn how they fell in love with the, the inhabitants of earth <laughs> that this planet for most of them was special with the exception of Icarus. And that Icarus was also just like Ajax in the know as to the true purpose of their being that them being there. And, you know, ultimately realizes that he can't exist in the in the new normal that that the that he's the eternals have created and sacrifices himself well doesn't sacrifice like he kills himself dives into the sun thanks for playing is, is he dead yeah can he even or die not. that way i think like yeah. ray you'd mentioned it when you and i were talking can he even die that way I don't, so it says they're what is the first law of thermodynamics matter cannot be created or destroyed only chain energy can be transferred whatever it is the reason the reason that Gilgamesh and Ajax died was because the deviants took their energy from them. So I don't know that they can be killed unless their energy is taken. 
I mean, they were created by something. So in theory, there's something out there that can destroy them um, other than the deviants. I'm willing to believe that for now, unless they're giving us like Marvel usually gives you a reason to doubt. They didn't give you a reason to doubt on this one, in my opinion. Like and if you want to follow Marvel's track record when it comes to antagonists, most antagonists don't survive. They don't. Like that's that's just not a thing. The other thing I do want to make sure that we talk about, we were we were also introduced to Eros, uh, the brother of Thanos, played by Harry Styles, and Pip the Troll, voiced by one Patton Oswalt. And it's about time we got Patton into the MCU officially, officially. None of this Agents of Shield bullshit. He's now legit Pip the Troll. So I have a question. Something I've really been trying to figure out for the past week. We know Eros, a.k.a. Star Fox, which I still know Star Star Fox to me is always going to be homie from Nintendo 64, but nonetheless. Um, that he's an Eternal, but he's also the brother of Thanos. We know Thanos is in some form or fashion connected to, connected to the Eternals, connected to the Celestials and whatnot. Is Thanos essentially an Eternal? Yeah, but it doesn't matter because he's dust. So, <laughs> like, yes and what else? Sorry, but the I, only reason, I'm, no, I, I mean, don't dismissive. No, it's not dismissive because that's probably the answer. The only question, the only reason I'm asking was because he was created. So then he was created, but he was born on a, on a planet because remember he was born, if you listen to his backstory, that he destroyed. Not, well, he didn't destroy, but he killed half of them to prove his point. So I'm just trying to make it all make sense because now we're in this world of the cosmic MCU where, you know, Celestials are walking around, uh, and Thanos is like, yesterday's news, ain't shit. So it's just interesting to me. Um, one more question for both of you. How did you feel about Kingo basically being a, a, a what's, what's, what's it called when you, want, when, you, when you have to go to the army but you refuse to kill? Conscientious objector? Yeah, what do y'all feel about Kingo basically being that? Because remember, he didn't fight in the final fight. He set it out. Uh, I mean, I guess staying true to your values counts for something. But um, his values was basically that the earth should have died. Right. So that more herbs can be created. Right. So. Yeah. So but he was kind of like just a. Uh, of his family, though, I guess, I guess he was the ultimate like sort of stuck in the middle kind of character because he be- he did believe that this eternal needed to be born so that new life could be created. But he also. He, again, lived for eons on Earth and had an affinity and an attachment to the people of Earth. So he basically he basically was like uh, he was neutral. He was Switzerland. He stayed out of it because he couldn't reconcile either decision in my and that that's kind of my take on it. Dave, I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, no, no. I, I think that that's his, uh, Switzerland's a good way to describe it. He was kind of just a passive observer as to what's going on with this whole thing. Is like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to take a side. And um, yeah, I mean, it was, it, it was, that was one of the things I pointed out in the in the review was that you know, the part to me that I had trouble reconciling was they didn't get involved with the whole Thanos in the Infinity Saga. And I know this is storytelling, but I'm just saying. You know, you talk about suspending your disbelief. Wait, you guys didn't get involved in the whole Thanos situation, but now you're going to defy the celest- same Celestials who told you not to get involved because you've suddenly realized that Earth is worth saving, but it wasn't six months ago? 
So I had trouble. I had trouble with that. It's different. They they explain this edict, and this is the thing that I think is funny. They learned that their purpose. They didn't know that that was their purpose. That their purpose was to keep Earth mm-hmm. advancing for the for the sole purpose of its destruction. That's they it. were told not to interfere, and as it's brought up, it's because conflict brings forth advancement, and so. You watch that stuff, and it actually, to me, harkened back to Civil War and the vision mm-hmm. speech in Civil War when mm-hmm. he talks about with the arrival of supers and the arrival of Tony Stark declaring himself Iron Man, mankind took a leap, and that forces outside of mankind came with it. Mm-hmm. And it, to me, it very much fit into the narrative. And then you learn that everything you've been built to believe was bullshit. Basically, Drew believed it was bullshit forever ago, and so he went to go create his own world or his own people. And it wasn't until, you know, we we see the you know that um, Cersei comes in and speaks before. Um, how do you pronounce it? Um, the Celestial, Arisham, yeah, Arisham. That she's like, oh well, I don't want this, and that that comes to them then deciding no this place is worth saving they they really believe for for 7000 years they were protecting earth right all so by them not not jumping into thanos that they were they were really doing the job that was given to them staying out of it unless they had to protect from something that earth couldn't protect itself from but they knew that this was what had to happen and it, you saw they were proven right by the Avengers bringing everything back. But yeah, when they find out the truth, yeah, of course they, they're going to, I don't, I, it makes perfect sense to me that they would say, no, this ain't right. So now it's time for us to do what's right for us now. And so, again, not all of them did. So uh, there, there was, was still some conflict there. All right. I do want to, I want to wrap on, and Dave kind of hinted at it, the critical review, because I'm looking at IMDb right now as we record this, and when I do the uh, when I do the nerd review, I always set up with the meta score, the aggregate um, critic score, and a turn, uh, IMDb uses Metacritic, and the meta score for Eternals is at a 52. And the better the better it's reviewed or the meta score is the the closer to green the color gets, the the lower the review it gets into red. Uh, this is solidly yellow, so they're they you know critics have given it a caution, and there's a lot. Of, I, I'll give I'll give my theory as to why I, I think that this these reviews have been mixed, uh, and then I'll I'll hear hear some of you guys. I don't buy the people who are like. Critics are racist, homophobic, X, Y, and Z. Some of that's probably true. Uh, and in fact, I, I would say likely to be true just because that that's all part of one large existence. Ultimately, though, for me, I think that critics didn't know how to review this movie because they expected Endgame and got Doom. And they couldn't reconcile that this wasn't your typical Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. And it was hurt for that. Um, Audiences don't care. Audience, two weeks in a row, top movie in the world. It's going to get replaced this weekend by Ghostbusters. 
uh, or this coming weekend by Ghostbusters. It probably will. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost willing to put money that I Ghostbusters mean, is a movie. Ghostbusters is getting some pretty tepid reviews as well, isn't it? But reviews don't mean shit to a box office. No, that's true. Like, you know that is to be true. So don't be throwing critical reviews because all kinds of movies have been reviewed terribly that have done very, very well at the box office. The anger looking- is strong with this one. It's not even, I'm not even angry. I just, Dave knows better. So I'm going to scold him for, for making statements that he knows I'm just, better. I'm just saying the reviews have been middle of the road. I didn't say it wasn't going to, it was going to suck at the box I, office. No, I think it's going to be the number one movie in America and it may be close, but, uh, people are thirsty for a quote unquote true successor to Ghostbusters. But anyway, that's not the conversation we're having. We'll talk about Ghostbusters next week when we've all watched it and reviewed it. Anyhow, thoughts, Dave, I'll start with you. Am I off base in my thought that these reviews are mixed because critics didn't really expect what they got and didn't respond to what they saw? They responded with what they expected to see. Yeah, I mean, let's debunk the whole homophobic thing. That's a stupid argument that anybody's making. There's like one scene in the entire movie that's remotely homosexual i mean it, it, that was that, i just thought that was just dumb but I, I tend to agree with you that people didn't get i, I mean this is it, when you look back at the mcu this is a very different kind of movie and and like i i think i also pointed out in my review i think a lot of people think anytime you introduce lesser known characters into marvel it's going to have a real comedic tilt to it it's like guardians of the galaxy like ant-man or something like that and you didn't really, I mean, Kingo, yeah, okay, he was he was comedic relief, that sort of thing. But you didn't really get that with this movie. And I, I just think people had a hard time, or the critics had a hard time relating to some of the characters and, and just attaching themselves to them. It's like, wow, I, I don't, they're not feeling it. They're not feeling the story. They're not feeling lack of action. It's, it's very different from the typical MCU movie. So I, I agree with you that they didn't get the kind of movie that they wanted, and they kind of shat upon it. So... That's that has a lot to do with it. I, I think that, you know, that that goes a long way as far as. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, distractions. But uh, I, I tend to agree with you that 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 they just didn't get this doesn't fit the MCU mold. You know, it kind of ran over the edges, that sort of thing. And the critics, a lot of them didn't respond to it. I, I mean, and there's a lot of fans who didn't respond as well. So it's not just them. It is it is a different kind of MCU movie, and it may not be in your wheelhouse, depending on what your wheelhouse is. That doesn't make it a bad movie. It's just different. Ray, what did you think? So there's definitely a big part, probably the biggest part of the, for lack of a better term, backlash the movie based on they didn't get what people, what they expected. That's definitely a big part of it. This is 100% not an action filled movie. It is very much full of exposition and plot and character development and world building and, there are some really, really cool fight sequences, but it's not a plenty with them. But I'm going to disagree with you on the other point. While I'm not saying that the overwhelming majority of people who didn't like the movie or were against the movie are, are racist or homophobic or misogynist. I'm not going to say that. But we have precedent that MCU movies can be slowly and somewhat sabotaged based on the backlash of the person in the movie or the rhetoric around the movie. Captain Marvel. A lot of people tried to tank that movie 
because of the fact that it's a, that it's a woman leading, it's, it's a woman who's the most powerful person in the entire MCU, and it's Brie Larson. And that movie still made a billion dollars, but it was on track to make more than that. But two, three, four weeks before the movie came out, people started trashing it for no apparent reason. Real, real quick, Ray, those weren't critics writing for magazines or right. for newspapers. That, and that's, and I guess that's the difference is that the backlash that I'm seeing hasn't been about because that that whole there hasn't to what to my knowledge anyway. I haven't seen it reported. There's been a big torpedo campaign uh, on like Rotten Tomatoes where the fan downvoting thing has happened. Yeah. Uh, the the thing that I've seen is people saying that critics didn't like the movie because they disapproved of homophobic, multicultural casting, sure. that sure. sort of stuff. So I agree with you a thousand percent that audiences, um, a certain subsection, those proud boys, whatever you want to call them, like yeah, those people are absolutely there. I just don't. I don't know if maybe Rotten Tomatoes has paid attention to it better this time, because I haven't seen that part of it. Sure. You know what I mean? I do, and that, that's, that's a great point. I the 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 in terms of just critics in general, just speaking on that right. vein, it's a very weird thought process because I enjoyed the movie, and most critics don't like the superhero aspects of the superhero movies. Right. So the fact that this is the movie that was built for them. In, in this genre, it's very weird to me. I think, first and foremost, let's say this. I think the cast was, was casted impeccably. I, I, I oh, yeah. Call me, very- maybe I'm wrong. I think it was casted impeccably. I know a lot of Marvel movies, Marvel in particular movies, are criticized for, if you take, really, Scott mentioned it earlier, and it's bullshit, but it is what it is. You strip away the, fantas- the fantastic, fantastic aspects of the superhero-esque whatever, and you just look at it from a plot standpoint, some people think that the plots are quite wooden. Eternals is absolutely not a wooden plot. It's a very deep, it's a very um, nuanced type of plot, right? A ton of moving parts. Everybody has their own reasons and thought process and whatnot. So it blows my mind as to why, but it's gotta be, and this happens all the time, if I didn't get what I expected, people don't criticize. People don't look at critic. They don't criticize things based on what they saw. They criticize it based on what they wanted to see. Right. And if it's not what they wanted to see, of course, it's not going to be great. And maybe that's got to be the only thing. Right. I think what I found really interesting is that you talked about you talked about that there are fight sequences. They're not very well done. Uh, the and last the, one is super uh, one. superhero action sequence, but it's not really an action loaded finale. Like it's not like there's not some big like hand to hand combat battle across multiple environments or scenes. It's even the finale is character driven because that's who Chloe Zhao is as a director. Like she is known her her nominations her awards that she's won for directing have been about her ability to build intertwining character driven narratives so she gave that this thing that critics loved she gave that to them and they went nope nope we don't like that you didn't give us in game you didn't give us an hour long bombastic battle sequence this thing that we've criticized marvel movies for not doing you did, and now we're going to hate you for it. And that, to me, is a shame. 
and it's and I think it's unfair to the movie. Um, so read the nerd review because that's the credible review of the movie that you all should read on thechairshot.com. If I had that little bell that DPP rings, I'd ring it right now. Ding. All right, should we bring PC Tony back to the show? No. Can we get DP in instead to ring the bell? It's just a service desk bell. <laughs> I, I think I got I, I one can, around here. Yeah, I'm sure we could. Um, but let's talk about the other big story surrounding the MCU. And I almost played the music before we ended into this entered into this segment because we're talking Marvel like crazy. But there's a little there's been a lot surrounding Black Panther 2 basically since the passing of Chadwick Boseman. We got to get that out of the way right away. Uh, but filming and production was halted uh, a few weeks ago after Letitia Wright was injured doing a stunt uh, and they need to wait out her recovery. And so that that's part one of what's kind of going on here. But in the meantime, while she's, while she's recovering, a report has come out now that filming could be delayed even further due to her unvaccinated status because it will restrict her from being able to travel uh, because she's not vaccinated. And regardless of people's feelings, like your political leanings and why somebody should or shouldn't get a vaccine, who gives a shit about that? Fuck that. And all the crazy shit that she said about, about vaccinations, forget that, forget that. Because that's really not this story. The story is this could potentially back up Black Panther 2 and its filming schedule. Um, to the extent to where there has been some social media outcry. Um, I don't know that it's actually been like any sort of legitimate petitioning outcry or anything like that of recasting the role of Shuri. Um, there's also a story and a rumor floating around right now um, that Shuri is now or never was going to be the new Black Panther, that it's going to be M'Baku uh, and, and that we're, we're going in that direction instead of Shuri. Uh so this is just this is turned into a mess, guys, at least in terms of the news. And, and I do want to acknowledge to anyone who's listening, we have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. Like all of this could be wrestling observer level of bullshit that people are speculating and making up because they just don't know. And there's always story based rumors around characters like there's all like we've been we've had. 10 different speculations on who the new black Panther was going to be from Michael B. Jordan to Winston Duke, who we have now. So this could all just be noise in the wind. And we're waiting out. It's because we're bored waiting for Letitia Wright to recover from her injury. But I'm going to go to the new guy first, because I think none of us know anyone. Tony, your reaction to all this crazy shit surrounding black Panther too. I guess the COVID news comes in threes, right? Um, <laughs> it's happening here on the set of, of, of Black Panther 2. Aaron Rodgers had to miss some time. And, and three snow leopards have passed because of COVID in Nebraska at a zoo. So those are all facts. Um, it's science. And I don't know. I You know what? <laughs> None of this really affects me. I hope all involved are very safe and, and recover and, and, and for their families and everybody's okay. But... There's so much fucking content out right now. You can delay half the fucking content coming out right now, and I don't really care. It would probably help me out a little bit, to be honest with you. So 
on my radar, it's this very minuscule blip that, uh, you know, doesn't necessarily affect my viewing habits or day. We'll get there. I know we will. Very true. David Ungar, what do you think about this news? Is it smoke? Well, Is I, there fire? I think that... You want the smoke. Yeah, I want the smoke. Where's Montez when I need him? But I think that, you know... My first reaction was that the Letitia Wright injury might have been more serious than was initially reported. Because I remember like when that happened, and it was an episode, Pat, where you weren't going to be there. And I remember talking to Ray about whether we were going to cover that. And then they kind of really downplayed the severity of the injury. So we jettisoned it from you know whatever rundown we were doing that day. But it sounds like maybe that injury was more significant than we thought. and And then you got on top of it the vaccination issue, which... Which, yeah, I mean, how do you, you can't, you know, obviously you can't film in New York, can't film in LA without vaccination. So you, do you really revamp all your filming schedule to work around her? Or do you just say, you know, we're going to go in a different direction? I, I don't know. I mean, you know, we had, a, we had a nice debate in the chat about whether M'Baku would be a good Black Panther or not. I don't see the need to reiterate everything about that here, but yeah, I it's... To me, it seems like there's probably in uh, I think there's some legitimacy to it just because we know a lot of the issues with Letitia Wright. She's been very outspoken about a lot of things. Um, you know, if she if the injury is more, you know, terror ACL or something like that or or what's going on. So I think, um, yeah, it's something to be concerned about. But like Tony's saying, there's so much content out there right now. And and the, I think the most important thing is you got to get Black Panther 2 right. You got to get Wakanda forever right. And whatever that entails, that's a decision that, you know, Ryan has got to deal with moving forward, getting because that movie is going to be so damn important because you got to honor Chadwick's legacy and then move that forward because whoever Black Panther is, is going to be a key focal point of the MCU moving forward. So I think, you know, whatever's going on with her is one thing, but they've got a bigger issue as to, okay, who do we anoint? as the new Black Panther. That, to me, is the overarching, bigger concern in this whole thing. Ray Cash, get in there. Well, first and foremost, let me say this. They need to take as much time as they need to for Black Panther 2. Not because we have so much content, but because, as Dave said, it needs to be done right. They need to give it justice, and it doesn't need to be rushed. It's placed in the, it's placed in the MCU proper. can wait, because we know that... I'll take the assist on this one, Ray. I'm your Gretzky, baby. Double turn, double turn. That that feels more at home. Uh, yes, but so that's number one. <laughs> number two, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote something Patrick says all the time. Sometimes we can work ourselves into a shoot as fans and believe something that hasn't been told to us yet because we want it to be true. There has never been any inclination that Shuri was ever, could ever, or I said was ever already, but going to be Black Panther. We told ourselves that because she, she, had, she was it a couple times in the comic. Nothing has led to that on screen. Hell, the one time Shuri tried to fight, she got ass beat. So ne- there's never been anything about that that's ever been that, which is why I believe, I believe the Mbaka rumors. And to give Credence to that, Mbaku's one of the five tribes. He's the leader of one of the five tribes. Mbaku's the one that saved T'Challa. 
Mbaku's the one they tried to give the heart-shaped herb to when they thought the child was dead, and he said no. Mbaku's the one that came and saved Wakanda when uh, Killmonger was having the fight between Wakabi's tribe and the rest in Adora Milaje. Mbaku's the one that sat at the right hand of T'Challa after Wakabi got banished to go to jail or prison or whatever they do in Wakanda. Mbaku's the one that was at the right side of T'Challa at the Battle of Wakanda. Mbaku's the one that probably took care and controlled to, uh, Wakanda after T'Challa and Shuri were dusted. So it makes perfect now, sense. Now that's probably... You can't say that one for certain. I'm not going to let you have that one. Sure, but... Two who, plus two, you, who, who reported to not in Endgame? Akoya is an Avenger. That ain't got nothing to do about the control of Wakanda. Okay. Akoya is an Avenger. She's a proper Avenger. Baku's not an Avenger? And Baku was an Avenger at the time? No. I always thought of Akoya as more of an ambassador to the Avengers than anything else. No, she's a, no she, she, I, she was always a proper Avenger because anytime they talked about anything, T'Challa was T'Challa wise, she was right there with him. Okoye has always been an Avenger, as far as I've, I'm concerned. All right, continue. Even, okay. okay, even going back, to, even going back to the bottom of, to the Battle of Wakanda, right? So, but anyway, whatever. Um, as Letitia, right? Whatever she got to do to get herself right. I hope she, I hope she heals well. Shuri is important to the MCU, but I don't think she's as important as we've made it out to as we made her out to be. I don't, I don't, I don't want her to be recast. I don't. I want to figure it out and find a way to make it work. But Shuri does not have to be Black Panther for Black Panther to continue. She's got to be around, right? And we got we already got the the person who's smarter than Shuri coming up next year, Riri Williams and Ironheart. So like that lane, you don't really have to focus on that as much. Um, but I, one the one last point I wanted to make is the beauty of the MCU is that it is not a perfect. 100% adaptation of the comics. It takes from the comics and it flips things based on what makes sense for the story. M'Baku is one of is one of T'Challa's biggest villains, but he's been practically the entire time a good dude. So, you know, I, I think Nakia is a villain. She's basically his, was his wife. They weren't married, but you know what it is. So, the liberties that are able to be taken and Ryan Coogler being one of our best directors in this country. I have no qualms with what's going on. I think Mbaku is the right guy to carry the legacy. And, but the biggest question is, and I'm, I'm going to see, I'm going to give it to you, Patrick, whoever takes black Panther, can they be black Panther proper? Because all the heart shaped herbs were destroyed by Killmonger. It's true. I know who it's going to be guys. I, just, I can't believe I just, I just... Damn it, Mephisto. It is Mephisto. Let's go, baby. Absolutely, Mephisto. No, um, here's the here's the one thing I want to say in regards to whatever's going on with Letitia Wright. Who cares? Um, and, and like you guys have said, I like I hope that she heals up. Uh, I hope that her vaccination status isn't what costs her her job in this role. But if there is one thing that you could prove to be true in the MCU, just about everybody can be recast. Actually, I'd say, just, yeah, everybody can be recast. And everybody? they've done it. Yeah. They recast think, the fucking book. 
They they recast one of the primary Avengers. You no, can shake no. your head all you want. They did about except for no. I agree. I'll give you two I exceptions. I'll give you two exceptions. I'll give you I'll give you Junior Downey Jr. Couldn't recast him. Couldn't recast Chris Evans. Everybody else. Sure. You can't okay. recast. You can't recast. Odinson, not Odinson. Chris Hemsworth is nice, but you can recast him. No, no way. Yeah, you could. No, ain't Absolutely. no way. Ain't no way. You didn't even know who the fuck Chris Hemsworth was until he got cast as the. You talking old shit? We talking twenty twenty one, baby? We ain't talking twenty twelve. Yeah, people would be fine. No, they no, they wouldn't. They would be. Mark Ruffalo made Bruce Banner his own. After Edward Norton did a pretty darn good Bruce Banner. I, I respect so, that you you like Hulk. Nobody gives a fuck about Bruce. They give a fuck about Hulk. Nobody would ever tell the difference. I disagree with you, but I think that, again, I think that you can recast just about anybody in MCU, and they've proven that they're not afraid to do it. So uh, that's my opinion. I'm going to live and die on that hill. We're going to take another commercial break because we got to continue to bow to our Disney overlords. Before we head over to the recorded commercial breaks, though, I do want to remind you that if you love what we do here on the ChairShot Radio Network at thechairshot.com, if you love bandwagon nerds, if you love DWI, you love, you know, the DeMarco show, if you love what we put out there, our content, the best way to support us is to head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and invest in a chair shot shirt we have all kinds of um, designs for you to choose from everything from chair shot logos to the bandwagon nerds chair uh, t-shirt itself to sayings from the shows like hashtag journalism everybody hates greg baron corbin sucks and many many more Shirts come at a low, low price of $19.99, or if you're feeling fancy and want something that feels nice on your giblets, spend a few bucks more and get it soft style. Again, we put out premium content daily, and the best way to support us continuing to give you premium content daily is to head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and buy a shirt. When we come back, we are going to give our thoughts on Disney Plus Day. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out TheChairShot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore. Everything progressing. Make sure you check it out. TheChairShot.com I kind of wait. Tony, can you do me a favor real quick? I could. Can you give me the Mickey laugh? Your, your Mickey laugh real quick? Because uh-huh. Mickey owns us. Yes. Mickey owns us, gentlemen. This past Friday, Disney Plus basically went on a tweet storm with some content on its streaming service announcing a plethora of news items regarding Disney Plus exclusive content. Things that were coming, changes made to the platform, all of it. And the bandwagon had you covered. One Mr. Ray Cash live tweeted news as it was hitting which thank you ray for doing that i thought you did a terrific job by the way i really did um 
Thank you. I know that, I know that you did that on the sly at the office, if you will. Uh, and we, we appreciate you sacrificing uh, some of your, your time out of your workday to, to just kind of keep us abreast on everything that announced. And you really didn't miss much, man. So I was very, I was very impressed with, with the work you did. So thank you. Uh, sincerely. Thank you. Glad to do it, man. You, you get applause for that as well. I give you earned that applause. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna go through just nerd by nerd um, your own reactions to to just kind of things that you liked and saw out of out of Disney Plus Day. But I think the first thing that I'd like to do is just kind of get a general pulse from each of you uh what you thought of the the day itself uh ray shared a very interesting article that i that i don't agree with necessarily uh, as uh, i uh, found it what, what was it called it was called an un something disaster unadulterated disaster an unadulterated disaster i don't i don't know that but Ray? Yes, sir. Actually, no, no, no. I'm going to start with Dave this time. Dave, your thoughts on Mar- uh, Marvel Plus Day, Disney Plus Day this past Friday. Well, you had it right. Um, uh, almost, well, almost. Into the weeds. No, you had it right with Marvel Plus Day because I, I thought uh, unadulterated disaster is very strong. Um, I would say the Marvel stuff was the stuff I liked the most. I, and they had a big 14-minute video, which I described to you guys, I think, pretty accurately. Half of it was a recap. Yeah. Another third of it was some extended Hawkeye footage. The last three minutes was the best part of, yeah, Ray, you're at least holding the other end this week, so that's improvement for you. Uh, the, I learned. Yeah, the last three minutes were the most important aspect where you got the Moon Knight footage, you got the She-Hulk footage, you got Miss Marvel footage. The part that I was most, if I was disappointed in anything, and I wouldn't use the word unadulterated disaster, um, they dropped the ball with Star Wars pretty badly, I thought, because they just didn't, they gave you a one-minute sizzle reel on Kenobi, and really, that's it. And I I think that's the part I was disappointed in. Marvel won the day, for sure. Um, But yeah, the Star Wars stuff was where I was left wanting quite a bit more. Fair. Ray? Your thoughts? Disney won the day, actually, because Disney had more of the, uh, talking about Disney animation-wise, or D- Disney proper, had uh, most of the drops. So um, they were like, I mean, I mean who, who's going to miss Sneakerella? My goodness. Ooh, I need Sneakerella in my life. Um, I was, it, it, was, it was a very successful day, but there, I was slightly disappointed. And my disappointment comes from, you have to, it's, it's our nature to compare things. If you compare this to DC Fandom and to them, it was nothing like that. And first and foremost, I don't begrudge anybody for wanting to use their own platform to use their own stuff. So the fact that you had to see the cool stuff on Disney Plus, too bad. Sign up. They gave it to you for $2. So I ain't tripping off that. But you cannot dispute. That get that allowing DC Fandom and to them to be readily available to everybody in the world for free did breed a little extra. Also, DC Fandom and Netflix to them had actual real content available throughout the entirety of Disney Plus Day. 
there was maybe set maybe four trailers and then the three the three little forty five second clips of Moon Knight, She Hulk, and what's the other one? Uh, and Miss Marvel. There was not a lot of things to get you excited from other than a couple of videos from people like Zach Braff and um, Gabby Union or Andy Samberg and Mulaney or, you know, like other, and I think at the beginning opened it up was uh, Rock and um, Emily Blunt. There wasn't a whole lot there to get you as a fan excited, except for the fact that, you know, things are coming. So it was a bit disappointing in that regard, but they killed it. I still think it was a big deal. Uh, Boba Fett also, too, was another thing they talked about, the Under the Hood, the Boba Fett show. There was that. But yes, it was disappointing for Star Wars. When National Geographic has more stuff dropping or more stuff um, promoted on Disney Plus Day than Star Wars, that's not a good look. Uh, but we know what's coming up in the next couple of years. We know. They're like, we know what's coming. Um, I enjoyed it. But like it was it was a six out of ten. It was not Disney Investor Day a couple years ago where we were losing our fucking minds. That and that's the other thing I want to add on real quick before I give it to you and Tony Patrick is thirty five percent of this was shit we already knew. So it's like when you say, well, Samuel Jackson's coming with Secret Invasion, we knew that two years ago. Oh well, um, uh, Riri Williams and Ironheart, Dominic, th- we knew that. There's no there's no trailer. There's no extra casting information. It's the same thing you told us on Disney Investor Day already. And that, to me, was disappointing. Because, like, you're telling me things I already know. This is the day where you're supposed to blow me away with things I didn't know was coming and get me excited to want to spend my money that you already probably own because you're the Disney overlords of the world. And you didn't do that. And so I think they really missed an opportunity to grow from 118 to go further. I think they missed an opportunity here. Tony? Dave and Ray are sad faces. How did you feel about Disney Plus? Did you? Even I never expected. Disney Plus Day? <laughs> you know, I never, I never really expect too much from these types of things, and I have followed them in the past mainly because of this show. Um, I was working, so I did check in on what Ray was doing with the Twitter feed. So make sure you're checking that out at Bandwagon Nerds on the Twitter. It looks like we're going to get even even more extensive in there and, and interactive. So make sure you're checking that out in, in the future here. But I always enjoy a good recap or a good recount, a good assessment of what's going on, a nice list, if you will, uh, of, of what's about to happen, um, some accountability of, of what to expect moving forward. So I don't know. There's some things that I didn't know that were happening that I'm kind of interested to talk about as we move forward here in our discussion. Sure. So I hear you. In your disappointment, gentlemen, I hear you. I'm going to be the corporate guy for a second, though. Um, One, I totally am fine with Disney putting their exclusive content that they wanted to share out to the world exclusive to them on their streaming platform. (laughs) If you don't like it, you can go fuck yourself. Basically. Uh, Two, I, I agree with you, Ray, a thousand percent that Disney Plus Day was not to dumb and was not DC fandom. I also don't think that either of those events were like, I don't think Disney saw Disney plus day as DC fandom or to dumb, because as you pointed out, they have their investor day 
where they reveal shit. They have May the fucking 4th where they blow up the world with Star Wars news. All D23. The, D23. So three events yeah. that have to do with others. So I honestly came into this. Like I even said this to you guys because and I'm gonna take my uh, I'm gonna take my thank you again. My you were right again, Dave. I lied. You're gonna say it here on the air. Patrick was right because there were people being like, "We're gonna get a new Spider-Man trailer on Disney Plus Day," and I said we weren't because Spider-Man No Way Home isn't going to be on Disney Plus to start with. It's gonna be in the theaters. So I also think that this was a very intentional reminder of things that are going to be coming to Disney Plus exclusively, like Disenchanted. Like, I don't think people understand Disenchanted, the sequel to Enchanted, doesn't look like it's going to be an exclusive to theaters thing. It was also, this was also interesting. I had no idea Enchanted wasn't on Disney Plus until like this week. Like, did anybody else know that? Like, that was that was a surprise to me. And then I had to look, I was like, Oh, how about that? Um, I will agree. I was disappointed that there weren't, there wasn't more footage and trailers from like any of this stuff. Um, uh, you know, they're 15 minutes of Marvel news. Even if it was a reminder of things that they were going to drop was still enough to get me to be like, yup. Uh, and I know Dave will probably talk about this a little bit when he gets into sort of his more granular thoughts about it on the animation front. Um, Disney got busy, uh, with Marvel and the MCU got busy, um, on the animation front. And, and so I just, I appreciated that, that we got the featurettes that we got. I liked the news that we got. I would have liked some more set photos. I would have liked even concept art. I agree with that. Do I think it was a 10 out of 10? No. Do I, do I think it was better than a 5 out of 10? Yeah. And, and in fact, Ray, this will surprise you for as much as I'm defending this. I'm really only going to give it about a 7. Um, That's right. Like, I'm not, I'm not blowing it out of the water and amazing. But I think it served a very specific purpose, and it dominated the news. Uh, like and Your defenses are fair. Your defenses are absolutely right and fair. I agree with you. Variety gave you a list. And this is the other thing is I think um, us – we're not the audience for this day. And that's one of the things I came to realize as we were following this uh, Twitter thread, which <laughs> of all the complaints out of that article that you shared um, of the, um, the disaster article, uh, the Twitter thread was clumsy as fuck uh, of, of the stuff that they were sharing. Like that was not the most well executed thing, but it's also how they did it last year too. So mm-hmm. it doesn't really surprise me that they did it again. Um, so with that, let's let's get into individual excitements and thoughts, things that we did see that that got us. Oh, one other thing I was disappointed in, Ray. I think you'll appreciate this. Where the fuck's the next season of Mighty Ducks, man? Bro, I'm saying they should be done <laughs> filming right now. Right. Um, quack. 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 Flying quack. V. Quack. 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 Dave, where are you, Dave? Come on, Dave. You suck, Dave. Tell us what you were. Tell tell us your. So so, Disney Plus Day. What did you see out of Disney Plus Day that got you going, Dave? What got you excited? What were you like? What are some other things that really got you going? And you'll kick off our discussion. Go. First off, I acknowledge you were right. 
about the No Way Home trailer not dropping on Disney Plus Day. Although it seems like the rumors are now that it's coming out Tuesday. So really, if you had it in your back pocket, why didn't you just throw it out there? But that's neither here nor there. it's not on Disney Plus. But we were getting misinformation about... This is CM Punk returns to wrestling level of like shit at this point. Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. Um, He's coming back next week. Yeah, I think the thing that you mentioned it, you alluded to it. I think the big thing for me that I took away is that Marvel is taking animation seriously right now. You look at, and I know, Patrick, I'm not going to really go into detail because I know you want to talk about X-Men 97. So I'm going to save that for you. But on top of that, you've got Spider-Man freshman year animated series. You've got a Groot animated series. You got Marvel Zombies animated series. You got What If Season 2 animated series. So... We've often said, and I know this is gonna, this point's going to come up in the Marvel versus DC decathlon, one of the categories, animation. Um, DC's been kicking Marvel's ass for years on that front. And Marvel is now taking that. It looks like they're saying, well, okay, let's step up. What if was received pretty well? And I love Marvel's approach is going to be very different than DC. DC animation's not going anywhere. They're going to keep pumping out their movies, and, and that's their lane. And they're going to stay in it. Marvel has now created their own lane. Say, well, we're going to do animated series and go in that direction and and make our own name for ourselves. Here's our niche, 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 whatever. And they're going to go in that direction. So I thought seeing how they and we've we've talked about it on the show so many times, not just Marvel, but like Star Wars as well. I mean, Star Wars has done great in animation with Clone Wars and Rebels and Bad Batch. Um, But I think the fact that they are looking at this and saying, let's go in the in the form of you know, serials and series that we can do and, and create stories and tell different stories that may not be so, eh, this may not translate onto the big screen or live action so well. Let's do it in animation. I'm really excited about Spider-Man freshman year. That's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see that. Yeah, the zombies and the Groot thing. I'm like, Ray, eh? So, uh, so, so. What if season two is going to be fantastic? Don't, don't smirch Marvel zombies. I will fight you. <laughs> you're gonna defend you're that on that hill you're gonna die as well too so they're so good it's so good yeah i to me that was the biggest the biggest thing i took away was that i mean there were some announcements of series like like i think ray you undersold it 35 percent. i'd go as high as say 50 percent was stuff we already knew um but you know the marvel wise sure yeah i mean the echo thing that they announced i know we want to talk about that um yeah just Agatha, yeah, we got a spinoff That's of WandaVision dope. coming up. So, yeah, there's there's stuff that uh, on the Marvel side that was where most of my excitement came. Up. Even like the Pixar stuff was a little underwhelming. It was like a four minute reel of stuff that they were going to show, and it really didn't resonate that well with a lot of people. But I think the animation aspect of things is where they really caught my eye and it's like, wow, they are really going to take this seriously. Go Marvel Ray. Zombies for the no, win! No, no, Ray, oh. you kicked it off. Tony, you go next. Um, anything jump off the page out of like yeah. what they're announcing that's coming a, a willow sequel yes and that, sequel. that is good as hell yes i love the original movie i seen it in the movie theater so excuse me i can't wait for that two things as far as like uh, are a little more kid aimed at and that i kind of enjoy uh john mulaney and andy samberg are going to be playing chippendale on chippendale's rescue rangers um, and then we're going to get some digital um, shorts for I Am Groot, 
on the Disney plus Marvel side of the game. So house house of Harkness is what I'm really looking forward to. Catherine Hahn. I mean, you guys brought that up already that, I mean, we all fell in love with her and she did such a fucking phenomenal job in, in, in this series, you know, with, uh, WandaVision. So definitely looking forward to that. Um, what else? Moon Knight, right? Is it Moon Knight that, that we're yeah, looking yeah. for? Uh, I'm looking forward to learning more about that series. Obviously, Echo. Uh, man, there's a few other on the on the Disney Plus side of the game with Marvel, but I don't know. I'm not disenchanted at all by it. In fact, I'm rather enchanted uh, and looking forward to everything that's going on here. Um, you know, season two, what if Secret Evasion, Ironheart, Ironheart might be up there as well for me. So, there you go. Very good. So I, I got to share this um, as you sit there and you talked about um, shit. I lost it. Never mind. Go ahead, Ray, because I lost whatever I was going to say. Had this great thought and then it just evaporated. I voted for She Hulk, by the way. So, folks, if whatever you're looking forward to, check out the Bandwagon Nerds poll. Oh, I, I remembered it. I remembered it. Uh, we got to save this for a poll on the Bandwagon at some point, but the best. Disney afternoon cartoon theme song. And you got to put it up between DuckTales, Rescue Rangers, Woo-hoo. Darkwing Duck, and DuckTales. Sometimes some crimes go slipping through hey, the. Can you get your boy some love for tweeting that out? Can I get some love for that? I was so excited about that news. I that man for asking for his flowers. I still no, because he talked about Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, and that always gets applause. Yeah. Yeah. If you already had your chances to talk about everything, and I'm the one that brought it up, BTW. There's no I case ha- to I have had a chance. No case too Stop small. Yet. If you <laughs> need <laughs> like to like call, <laughs> cash. It's your turn. Ray cash. Talk about Disney Plus Day. Well done. Thank you. Thank you for that esteemed introduction. Um, now, that's your one. That's new good. season. I'll, I'll new, new season. New leaf. I'm good with it. I'm good with it. Um, so you guys really broke down a lot of the Marvel stuff. I want to talk about the Disney side. Like I said, I think Disney proper of the five pillars, Disney killed it. Proud family coming back as a black kid growing up. Proud family was everything to me. So that's a big, that's a big deal. I'm, I'm so hyped about that. You mentioned Chip and Dale rescue Rangers. That's also cool. I'm really interested to see this Beatles documentary because yeah. Jackson. Yeah. Cause I, I just, it's, it looked it looks so interesting. And the Beatles, there's not enough. You can talk about the Beatles all day. They're so interesting and they're so groundbreaking in terms of where music was to where it is now. Um, shout out to the new Pinocchio movie. And that bitch is stacked with talent. I don't know how it's gonna come off. But you got you got Zemeckis is 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 um directing it. Tom Hanks, Luke Evans. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Cynthia Revo, and Keegan-Michael Key, who's probably going to be Jiminy Cricket. Come on, dog. Um, Baymax. Yes. Please. Um, Hocus, Hocus Pocus 2. Cheaper by the dozen. Um, and then the little, small little uh, series they got from Pixar and Disney. The Ice Age Adventures of Buck Wild. The Cars on the Road. Z- Zootopia plus Tiana. I just think, like, they really, really got some cool stuff. 
And I appreciate that they're taking chances. Like, I know I made a joke about the Snicker Rubber shit, but my kids are going to eat that shit up. They're going to oh, eat totally. it up. Right? Yes. And then even the real thing, like, we can do a whole episode on sneaker culture. You're probably right. Yes. And then shout out to Cool Shit with Thor, aka Limitless with Chris Hemworth. I'm a National Geographic nerd. So everything that was on there from that geo, I'm watching. But yeah, man, they, it was real cool, man. I, every. Can't- can we just talk about the hilarity that Will Smith hosting a National Geographic show called Welcome to Earth just doesn't scream hilarity? Like, oh, that's a perfect title. This shit was on purpose, I, bro. They knew what they was on. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it was on Disney Plus today, but uh, the Jeff Goldblum series, I believe, is streaming yep. its second uh, season as well. It which dropped. Is excellent. It dropped Friday. It dropped on Disney yeah. Plus Day. That was excellent. one of the ones that dropped new with Shang-Chi. I watched that tonight. Shang-Chi. I'm sorry. I'm from the South. Shang-Chi. And um, Shang Chi over there, boy. Uh, Y'all, he's good at the karate fighting. Look at him go. He can punch real good. All right. Now that we've alienated two of our listeners down in the south, got the rings on his arm. Rings. Cool. Is that so? So for me, uh, I actually, Dave, I don't know, Dave Ray. I'm surprised you uh, you didn't mention, uh, and I'm going to lose it because uh, I just saw it as I was rolling through. You were talking about the Nat Geo stuff. Uh, I'm going to go back because I, I saw it and it was like, wow, I'm surprised Ray didn't bring it up. Um, oh, the Tiana series. That, I mean, I said it very slightly, but yes, I'm super hyped for that too. Right, it's going to be, and it's going to be a musical series or something, which is kind of right up my wheelhouse. I'm looking forward to it. I, too, am really looking forward to Willow. I watched that over and over and over again, wore out the tape. You know, my love of fantasy yep. movies, that, that doesn't surprise yep. anybody at all. Um, In terms of, okay, X-Men 97. Let's, I, like, that, when that got announced... It's not just that it got announced. It's that it is a continuation of the series. That they got the original voice cast as much as possible to come back and bring back their characters. Because there is no, in my opinion, no more distinctive voice actor than the man who voiced Logan for multiple years. Like, that was my childhood. Uh, And the thing that I find fascinating is... I'll be interested to see what kind of who who animates it and how it looks, because one of the stories that behind that series and the reason it fizzled uh, was the Marvel animation um, branch got in all kinds of back and forth with Fox. It's the reason why the Spider-Man animated series and the X-Men animated series guns don't fire bullets. They fire lasers because Fox didn't want bullets so they fired lasers because that somehow made it more okay. But the 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 back and forth between the studio and and um, the and Avi Arad and and the animators got to a point where the original animation team that did the first four seasons wasn't on for the fifth season, and it looks like a cheap Dollar General knockoff of of the original series, and it's it's not pretty, it's not good, and a large percentage of the voice cast is gone. From that, um, from that last season, uh, his characters just disappear. Like Gambit was one of my all times. Like they had this great story arc with Gambit and Rogue told through the the '90s lens that just evaporates after season four because of infighting and budget cuts. And so I am, 
I'm hoping I'm not getting my hopes up too high for X-Men 97. I probably am um, because I just I'm, I'm 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 so stoked, unreasonably stoked for for something like that. Um, I, too, was also excited to see, you know, even if it was just an image of Hocus Pocus 2. But the other announcement that they listed on the Disney side that I'm thrilled about is that they're going to do a series adaptation of the Spiderwick Chronicles. And this was a it's a book series. It's a fantasy book series about a little boy. Um, it takes place in modern times, but there are fairies and stuff that are real fairies and goblins, and they're hidden amongst the world in spider. And they, I don't know if Disney, I think Disney made the first move, made the movie. Like they attempted to make a movie series out of it and it just didn't take off. Um, but it strikes me as a series of books that could lend itself very well to a a television series. And so I'm very, very excited about that because I think that, uh, it could be right up there with the Percy Jackson books, the Rick Reardon books, which they're also turning into a series for Disney+. Plus. Uh, and I was surprised there wasn't any news on that one out of Disney+, Plus as well, as we talk about things that we're missing. Uh, but I, I'm excited for it, because I think those will be really good. Those those lend themselves really well to being Disney+, Plus series. So those are, those are the shows that I'm hyped about. The last thing I want to talk about in regards to things that came out of Disney+, Plus Day that, that aren't really getting talked about... Um, is the subtle change that they have started to do with some of the films that they're releasing in that these IMAX built films now are going to have your, you're going to have the option to watch these movies in either the, either a traditional television ratio or the IMAX aspect ratio on your television screen. I currently have Avengers Endgame paused in the IMAX aspect ratio screen because uh, I just wanted to see what it looked like. So it's in 4K and it's in this bigger aspect ratio, giving you a, a larger vision of the movie. So you get to see more of what the camera caught. And it doesn't change the movie. It's not a different film. But I would be disingenuous if I didn't say that it sure shooting creates one hell of an experience. Like it's gorgeous on my television. And if you know, I Tony go to DP's house, make him fire up one of these on his giant ass theater televisions to see the difference because it's dope. Listen, I almost brought home a seventy-five inch. You know, you if you bring HD whatever one day the other day that's. You'll so. you'll get all of the action on Disney Plus. It's it's I'll be honest with you, the reason I didn't is because I didn't have like a table or or, or stand or entertainment center like yeah. wide enough to put it right. It would I don't know I would have to get like some milk cartons from somewhere to just to set it up that day. So <laughs> we'll see. Maybe better preparation as we move towards the holiday. Right, but this is the thing that I I want to I want to point out that Disney Plus is doing that I don't think it's getting credit for and that we should pay attention to. It's upping the streaming game with these with these changes and these things that they're making available to its subscribers and its viewers. You know, there was a lot made out of the 8 million new subscriber shortfall that came out of this last quarter. Like they they only got 2 million subscribers and that was the other thing out of that article that that Ray shared with us that part of the reason why they drove the price down and their hype in Disney Plus Day, even though this was something they did last year, was that it's to drive up subscribers. And I think that the price point I think is is an arguable point. 
I also think that the pandemic has impacted, you know, subscriptions in general as people start to, as the pandemic starts to wane, we're finding that people are willing to go to theaters to see movies. So Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's changing. Um, But I think that as Disney continues to up their technology and up what is available to the consumer, that these are changes that will allow them to, to stay firmly in the game and, push netflix as the as the king of the hill and eventually i think disney passes them i just think it's an inevitability it's not a it's not an if it's a win uh but it's little things like that that make a huge difference and that got introduced this past friday on disney plus day well you know i watched shang chi this weekend on my regular roku tv and uh apparently i gotta give me one of him there uh, 4K, what you what do you what you call them? Them 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 newfangled fancy things. They're called televisions, Ray. Televisions. Oh yeah, modern yeah, tech, yeah. One baby. Of, modern one of them tech. Move, one of them moving pic one of them moving pictures boxes <laughs> for for my IMAX. So, uh, you know you're doing so well. You were you were doing, doing all right, and then you and your <laughs> technology like CD players and shit like that. Oh, Dave! All right, you've been listening to the Babyface Heel podcast here on the Chair Shot Radio <laughs> or the Chair Shot. Um, no, I'm sorry. You, you uh, I, I do think, yeah, up your television game. Uh, I think streaming services are are going to. I think Disney is doing a lot to put itself on the forward front edge the cutting edge if you will of of technology and will only continue to to get better there and yeah i think overall it was a success it was a success is mayonnaise an instrument want to go jellyfishing what am i supposed to do all day while you're at school can i use your bathroom who's your friend what does claustrophobic mean (laughs) you know what the problem is So, gentlemen, I had an epiphany today as we talk about new seasons and things changing and, and coming up with new ideas. And I have an idea for a, a new a new segment that's similar to Patrick O'Dowd has a question, um, but isn't quite what I've been doing where I've been asking this random question to end it. And so um, I'm looking I'm playing with this idea of at the end of every show, the bandwagon makes a pitch and but we're going to make a pitch to one of our fellow bandwagon members uh every every week and so we're going to like pitch an idea to or pitch something to a member of the bandwagon to get them on either on board with something or say some sort of creative idea i'm toying with it we'll see where it goes it's what we would call currently in development but i'm going to test it out with this week's patrick o'dowd has a question because as i've been very excited on the twitterverse and as I've talked about quite frequently this week, I have now successfully pitched Ted Lasso to both Ray Cash and PC Tunney, gotten them to to move stuff around to watch Ted Lasso. Ray, I'm going to start with you, but our job today is to pitch to Dave Ungar why he should move Ted Lasso to the top of his viewing streaming list 
of shows to watch. And Ray, I think you're you're a great testimonial because well, I'm maybe not because I don't think Dave keeps your hours, but pitch <laughs> why Dave should check out and should move Ted Lasso up to the top of his list of streaming things to watch. Well, he's here, he's there, he's every fucking where Roy Kid. Roy Kid. I'll say this. I was I knew it was good. I I too many people I know and too many great reviews. But I was like, I'll get to it. What made me watch it was I saw that Roy Kent clip. And then I saw Sudeikis and the whole cast getting the Emmy for it. And, you know, man, you see a lot of casts that are close. But this cast just seems ridiculously close. So fuck it. I'll try an episode. And I binged the entire season in one and season two in two days. Uh, only because I had this hindrance in my life called work. Nonetheless, I'll tell you this. Ted Lasso is a comedy, but the comedy is the least most important part of the show. I have never felt more, never felt better. I've never felt better as a person. I've never felt more positive feelings in my life watching a sitcom than I do watching Ted Lasso. And I know that sounds so hyperbolic and cliche and bullshit. I mean that shit. The, the, the writing that they have, things that Ted Lasso says, the way he treats people, the way people do 4180s just because he's unadulteratedly him is beautiful to watch. And it's a society I wish I was a part of. And it is really worth your time. Now, I know I'm the guy that won't watch Lock and Key and I do jokes about Flash and I get it. I know I'm not the one to sit here and tell somebody what they should be watching. I promise you, I promise you that there are some shows you watch, you're like, oh, that's cool. When you watch this, when you watch this show and you finish these seasons, your first thought is going to be, well, why the fuck wasn't I watching this before? It's that good. It is genuinely that fucking good. I am mad at myself. I am, I, I, pay, I pay for Apple TV. The only thing I watched on it was some movies in the morning show. And I've known about Ted Lasso from day one. I'm a Sudeikis fan. I'm an SNL nerd. I'm so angry at myself that I didn't watch this shit before. That's how good it is. It is fantastic. Excellent, excellent pitch. PC Be a top- goldfish, Dave Ungar. Be a fucking goldfish. Pitch David Ungar on why he should watch Ted Lasso from your point of view. Yeah, it's good. You will enjoy it, but you don't need to rearrange your life for it. Can we, get a, can we get a boo for that? Best friends we there, man. definitely boo. That is a terrible pitch. That is a terrible, terrible pitch. I, I get fucking booed for breathing, and he's over here poo-pooing on Ted Lasso? Yeah. I don't think I he's create, poo-pooing. That, I, I, that, that boo cannot affect me. I created that boo. If I can comment on Ray's ever so eloquent pitch, it is on my short list. It is definitely something I want to watch. Everything you fucking said about Ted Lasso, reverse that and throw that on yourself about Lock and Key and The Witcher because it's equally Sorry? applicable. This, this is supposed to be this is supposed to be an indictment on people. Like, Dave, we know it's on your list. The whole point of the pitch is to move it up your list. And, it's and moved up my I, list considerably. Yes. Dave, Dave's like Dave's like I needed an intervention. Ray needs an intervention. So. Here, here's what, here's, here's my pitch because I'm also going to give my pitch to it, and and I'm not, gonna, I'm actually not going to rehash 
some of the like, like some of the points that I've made before to you. Like you are a, a, as a fan and as a fanatic, I, I think the the season finale of the first season speaks to anybody who oh, has boy. been a big time fan of any team ever. Uh, and I talked about it, the concept of it's the hope that kills you. And to me, it's like my 1985 Bears fandom comes to life out of the fans of of um, shit. I'm going to forget the name of the of the team. That's AFC Richmond. The yeah, the Richmond, the Greyhounds. Um, there, you you really do find yourself emotionally invested in characters. Uh, the the second season flips narratives so so well and takes things that you kind of expect and, and turns them on your ear and takes them in a direction that is atypical of typical shows. And I really appreciated that. Um, that season one finale that I like so much takes on such a different meaning after you watch season two, if you go back and, and rewatch it after watching season two, it's, it's amazing to watch. And I just, honestly, I want to be able to talk about it in detail on this show at some point. Because I think this show is that good. Uh, and I think that there's so much that can be connected to it. And yeah, we're a, we're a pop culture show and we talk a lot of Marvel and Star Wars and, and quote unquote nerdy stuff. There's so many conventions that, that are challenged by Ted Lasso that I, I would love to be able to talk about on this show. And I'm not even asking to do this as like uh, uh, we all do a watch and we do the episode by episode thing. I know. Uh, but I would love to be able to talk about this in detail and not spoil it. Because this is a show that I actually honestly don't want to spoil for people. Like, and, and, I'm, and, and, I, and I am, we, we know this. This show is not spoiler free. I have no problem with spoiling a show. I don't want to spoil this show for, for anybody. Uh, and you as much as anybody, Dave. So that, that is our pitch to get you to move it up the short list. Uh, take some time, get through episode. They're only half an hour and they, you really will tear through them. Like get, I get through them in no time flat. So He's there it is. There He's you have there. it. First ever bandwagon He's pitch. What happened? I'm just saying when he's here, he's there. He's every fucking when Ray oh. starts watching lock and key, then I'm right there with, with you guys. Yeah. Come on, man. That's the bullshit, bro. Come on. Every, every key don't wow. need a lock, bro. Every wow. key don't need a lock. So, all right, watch, watch, um, watch Ted Lasso. I'm begging you, and Ray, you really should watch fucking Lock and Key. Anyway, that's gonna do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Before we get out of here, tell everyone where they can find you out there in the interwebs. We'll start with Ray Cash. Thank you for letting me do that because I also want to talk a little, just take a few seconds to talk about the Bandwagon Nerds Twitter. So I'm at It's Ray Cash, otherwise in Mysterio, C A S H, as in dollars. But um, I'm I'm trying. I along with the with the group are trying to do some different things with the Twitter account. So please follow us at Bandwagon Nerds. Check it. Um, every Sunday, I'm going to put up a poll because we're starting a thing called Character Wednesdays, where on Wednesday. The Twitter is going to basically be dedicated to a character of your choosing. So you guys will make the choice. We'll give you four choices based on the week or ideas, and you'll make the choice for us. We're going we're gonna to talk about 
some of uh, that character's greatest comic moments, some of uh, pictures and 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 favorite favorite things we've done we've seen from them, whether it's on screen, silver screen, TV screen, or the comics. Uh, information about the character, things that you may not know about them. Uh, maybe uh, as we do with the comic spotlight, maybe some comic stories and some comic arcs that are integral to knowing the character that you never knew about. Want to do some fun stuff with that, so I just want you guys to pay attention to it. Look at the Twitter. We're trying to do more with it. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all listening to us. And this is kind of our way to give back. We want to we want to uh, involve you guys a little more in the show. And, uh, you know, we, we want everybody to be on the bandwagon in the basement. The more of us in the basement together, the less melanin we have in our bodies. So hooray for that. <laughs> hey, just, to, just to echo that a little bit, I just, I think that we're, I know we have a really good fan base. I want to see it grow. And I really do appreciate uh, Ray. I'll publicly, you know, shout out Ray for just the work. Like I said, the work he did. I'm hoping that we can do some more of this live tweeting sort of stuff, uh, whether it be for things like DC Fandom or Tadam, uh, all of those sorts of events. Uh, to just just to be able to highlight what we're about on the show and really get that going. And I will I will also share like our followership went up. Uh, and we're, we, we have this, we are small, but mighty, but I want us to keep growing. And I think that we're in a good place to be able to do that. So well done, Ray. Thank you very much. Uh, PC Tunney, give them the rundown on, on the interwebs. Yeah. Follow me at PC Tunney on Twitter and Facebook. Continue to listen to everything chair shot radio network on all of your favorite streaming platforms for wrestling tees.com forward slash the chair shot. And, uh, yeah. We encourage you to enjoy your way the chair shot way by always using your head. (laughs) Thank you very much. And David, I'm going to watch Ted Lasso on guard. Yeah, you can check me out at hashtag what the fuck did the WFT just pull off? Uh, You can also find me on Twitter at Attitude Ag, that is at Attitude A-G-G, and on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. And as Ray said, please make sure you're checking out the Bandwagon Nerds Twitter account. Lots of activity coming up. We're going to be much more active with that here in season, year, whatever the fuck you want to call it, three. Thank you. And you can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. In addition to following at Bandwagon Nerds, make sure that you're checking out every Friday the Nerd Review where we do an interesting mix of old and new flicks depending on what's available from week to week in the Nerdosphere. Having a lot of fun writing those. And they're a good read. This past week was The Eternals. And just full disclosure, Dave... Ray and I haven't decided what we're going to do yet this week. We'll get to it. We'll have something quality out there for you. Thank you, everyone. This has been Bandwagon Nerds. Now get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, and bow to your Disney overlords. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. on
doing? I'm kicking my ass, do you mind? I found him like this in the bathroom, Your Honor. Somebody beat the hell out of him. Who did this? A madman, Your Honor! A desperate fool at the end of his pitiful rope! Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. 